Hi, sweet angel babies. Welcome to Tea and Glitter. I'm Evelina, better known as Ivy of the Les Vixens. I'm a lesbian burlesque performer, and I have spent my entire career learning how to own my body, my identity, my sensuality, my sexuality, and my life, and to empower others to do the same. On this podcast, I spill the tea and give you all that gay girl glitter on how to live a more peaceful, productive, pretty, healthy, and happy life. I'm so dang happy You are here with me today. Thank you for letting me be a part of your life. Let's get into it. We made it to episode five. I can't believe this is happening. I really, truly am still in shock that the podcast that I've wanted to do for so long is happening. I was looking back through my journals over the last few years and like my planners and every New Year's like thing. It's like, start a podcast. All my journal entries are like, I really want to start a podcast. I really need to start a podcast. And here we are. We did it. We started a podcast and we are in episode five. My mind is blown. I hope you're enjoying it. Our last episode was a little heavy, a smidge heavy. Um, Fenton is about to eat some food. So if you hear some crunching, (laughs) it's Fenton enjoying a little snack. But anyway, episode four was a little heavy, internalized homophobia. We all have it and it sucks, Uh, but I hope it helps some people out there. And thank you all so much for the incredible response to that one. I know I could have gone deeper, but I just needed to get out what I got out. It was a weirdly heavy episode for me. Also, I was definitely PMSing. (laughs) Back to this episode. Today, we're going to be talking about defining our queerness. Most people are told growing up who they are and how they should be. And that is especially true for queer people. We don't grow up as ourselves. We often grow up playing a version of ourselves that sacrifices authenticity for heteronormativity. But on top of that, once we do come out, gay culture also has a very strong influence and decides a lot about the boxes in which we are put and the labels in which we are given. So the enormous task of our adult lives is to learn to discern which parts of ourselves are truly us and which parts we've created to protect us. But it's super fun to decide who we are and to redefine ourselves. But it can also feel overwhelming and uncomfortable. And sometimes we really just try to shove ourselves into molds that just don't fit. I know a lot of people don't like labels. They don't want to be labeled. And that's with good reason, because labels can be incredibly limiting and damaging, especially if you are living under labels that aren't accurate for you or don't suit you. But the human brain needs labels, and it needs to be able to categorize the world so that we can process and understand the world around us. It's a survival thing, and not just to process the world, but also to process and understand ourselves. So I mentioned in a previous episode that one of my main priorities in life is peace, right? Finding peace, creating peace, curating my life to be as peaceful as possible. And I think that something that disrupts our peace heavily is trying to fit a label that is not accurate. But it's also incredibly empowering and self-esteem building to define and label ourselves correctly or in a way that feels authentic to us. Labels and self-identity are huge for our journeys as queer people. But I do want to caution you or at least let you know about the fact that you don't have to label literally every single part of your identity. Like just like your actual name, like Evelina or Ivy doesn't encompass everything about you. You can let the definition of who you are and and how you self-identify be something that is a little more fluid and without strict edges. For me, I'm a femme lesbian. That's pretty much all I need to do. Well, there's one more. 
with my sexual dynamic. I'm a femme lesbian top. (laughs) For me, that's all I really need as far as identity goes. I feel a lot more fluidity with everything else in my life. And those three things are the ones that are most important to me. I don't think labels are inherently bad. Words matter. Definitions matter. Connotations matter. How you move within all of that matters. And for many of us, we have been told that we are one thing. Some of us growing up have done everything we can to stay within those societal parameters, those definitions, no matter how wrong they felt. And that causes a lot of problems in our little sweethearts and brains. I don't know about you, but sometimes I just need to hear someone else say something to me that gives me permission, I use that in quotes, permission to change or to do something different. So today I'm going to be that for you. You have permission to define yourself right now and as many times as you need to because we're always growing and evolving. So what feels right right now may not resonate in a decade. And I kind of want to talk on that now about how to define these aspects of our queerness. And I'm going to kind of talk about them in like a three-part struggle, right? (laughs) And then how to unstruggle, if you will. So I think one struggle that a lot of queer people face, especially after coming out or just down the line trying to figure it out, is how do we present externally? And then the next struggle is the internal self. That's struggle number two. And then the third is sexiness and sex dynamics. So we're going to go through kind of those three, and then we're going to talk about how to unstruggle from these things, because that's everything that I'm trying to do with this podcast is to help people feel less alone and struggle less. First up, how do you present? Are you mask? Are you femme? Are you both? Are you in between? Are you none of the above? This is a time where style really does come into play. Clothing, accessories, hair, makeup or no makeup, tattoos, piercings, all of those things are like really, really important aspects of expressing yourself and defining who you are. I know that a lot of lesbians and queer women, once they come out and they start embracing a more masculine style, they find a lot more peace in who they are. It's almost like an immediate balm. Of course, it's very obvious with trans people when they are able to externally express how they feel and, and how they want to present. I know that gives them a lot of peace and gender euphoria and all of that. I think for a lot of masculine lesbians, there's a lot of struggle there. One, in finding masculine clothing that works for a woman's body and also the affordability of that. A lot of the designers out there and the clothing companies that work specifically with that kind of androgynous, masculine, queer woman style are very expensive and they're much more boutique. So it's really hard for the average Joe lesbian (laughs) who wants to be more masked to really do that. And also women have hips and women have other body parts. You know, I'm gesturing at my chest. that can make dressing in a masculine style difficult. And then for the femmes, what's up, homies? Typically, the world thinks that femininity women are for the pleasure of men to look at, for the sexual gratification of men. I've talked to a few lesbians about this, that they don't dress feminine, even though that's more what they would naturally gravitate toward because they don't want to be perceived as being for the male gaze. There's also femme invisibility, which is an episode I have coming up. It's one of the things that 
I see so much on TikTok and Instagram from femme girls. Like, how do I look more gay? How do I let people know that I'm gay? How do I not just look like I'm at a bachelorette party at the gay bar? Like, I'm meant to be there. This is my home. It's difficult for queer femme women to be seen as queer femme women. Honestly, we don't look straight. That pisses me off. We look like femme queer women. My troop is mostly femme queer women because I want that representation. I want people to see that you can be sexy, hot, lingerie wearing gal, and it has nothing to do with heterosexuality. Femininity is not owned by heterosexuality. Neither is masculinity. This is one of the reasons why identity is so important because as we lean into that and we, we own our identities in a much more empowered, strong way, the idea of what society thinks about us becomes less and less relevant. And we start to really lean into the subversive idea of taking femininity and masculinity, making it our own completely in spite of, outside of, with no connection to heterosexuality. And I think it's it's a huge part of our queer journeys is to take style, to take these elements of gender markers and sexuality and sensuality and what makes us feel sexy and to make it our own. So we really want to reclaim masculinity and femininity from any sort of societal definitions of who should be allowed to be feminine, who should be allowed to be masculine, and how all of that plays not just into our style, but into who we are as people. I'm going to move forward now to our struggle number two, which is the internal. So once we've defined our style and what feels right externally, there then can be a struggle with reconciling the two if the two do not align. We are told that the way we look means that that should also be what we are on the inside. I present in ways, well, I've been called uh, an earth fairy. I love to look soft and flowy and whimsical and pretty, but I am a dominant person. I, I have a dominant personality. I'm much more assertive in life, in the bedroom, ordering at the restaurant, whatever the case may be. So while a lot of people would make certain assumptions based on the way I look, I don't want my personality to have to match up with their assumptions if it doesn't suit who I actually am. I think a lot of masculine lesbians feel like they need to be dominant. They need to be assertive. They need to be aggressive even. You know, they need to be magic miking all over the fucking place because they want to outwardly express themselves in a masculine way that they then have to internally, it has to be in a masculine way as well. That is not the case. You can be masculine presenting and be a soft angel baby on the inside. You absolutely do not have to be a dominant personality because in society, masculine equals dominant, that does not have to be the case. And honestly, my personal type, someone who's masculine presenting, but who is a soft angel baby on the inside. Sometimes masculine lesbians might want the princess treatment. They might want to have a door held open for them and to be treated in like a very sweet way. I think that if we allowed ourselves a lot more leniency in the way we label ourselves versus what we look like, there's going to be a lot less cognitive dissonance and a lot more happiness in relationships, a lot more happiness within ourselves. And like, let me hold the door open for you. You know, it pisses me off so fucking much. Men do this all the time. I'll hold a door open for someone, right? Because it's just the courtesy. It's not a masculine or feminine thing to do. And a guy who will be coming through the door will then hold also hold the door. And so we're both standing there holding the door, even though I was there first holding the door open for him, but they can't, they can't let someone hold the door open for them. It's like, get, 
over yourself, dude. Just walk through the fucking door. Now we're both standing here and now I'm going to let go. And you're like, I hate that. So like, ladies, let me hold the door open for you. Like let a femme do whatever. The gender roles are so infuriating. And I think they're so ingrained in our society that so many lesbians and queer people struggle with them. I'm speaking a lot for lesbians, but this is also true for trans people, for non-binary people, um, for, for gay guys, for bisexual people. Like these gender roles are so hard to break away from and they cause so much pain within us because they're so narrow and they're so restricting and limiting and they do not in any way encompass the full spectrum of who we we are. Who wears the pants? I wear a dress, but I'm going to hold the door open and I'm going to top. It's just very infuriating to me how limiting these things are. And I think still we all, a lot of us play into that. A lot of us have not understood that we can be presented physically in one way and emotionally be an entirely different way. Or maybe you are a femme who wants to look like a princess, be treated like a princess, is a pillow princess. What I'm trying to get you to see here is that you are a multifaceted person who does not need to adhere to roles or to identities that don't suit you. So pick the ones that do. Lean into those. You can really own it. And I don't want you to have so much cognitive dissonance, especially to the mask lesbians out there who don't want to be Magic Mike, but feel like they have to. Masculinity in our society is valued in ways that are very substantial. And then femininity is devalued or only valued as service to men or as sexually objectified. So these feminine traits are diminished, devalued, denigrated, and feminine roles are looked down upon. It's misogyny. Men have been taught to hate the feminine unless it is for their pleasure. Speaking of misogyny, misogyny is the root of so much evil. Femininity being seen as to be submissive, the connotation through heterosexuality and misogyny is that it is weaker, which I think is another reason why a lot of people struggle with combining their feminine and their masculine. If those traits weren't made to seem like they are the weaker, the less desirable, you know, and like mask lesbians, I've talked to a few who say that they feel like if they show their softer side, then they aren't the ones who are valued. They aren't the ones who are desired that the magic Mike lesbians out there, like, you know, licking their lips and being all gross. <laughs> are the ones that get the bigger social medias. They're the ones who get the more attention. But it's all about who we are modeling our masculinity and our femininity after. A lot of people don't have positive, non-toxic representations for these things. And those who do are much healthier, much happier, and they found an easier time combining their masculinity and their femininity. I was talking to a barista at Starbucks today. I was asking about his style because he has a masculine style with a lot of femininity thrown in and he's a trans guy. And I was asking him, how did you get here? It's possible. Hi, there's a cat here now. Oh my God. Banksy. Hi buddy. Give me a second. If you're watching on YouTube, say hi to Banksy because he has joined us. <laughs> Banksy's trying to get in my lap right now. So a lot of trans guys, you know, feel like they have to be as masculine as possible to prove their masculinity. And the barista I was talking to today, I really love his style because it is this really cool blend of androgyny, masculinity, femininity. I don't think he gets misgendered very often, even though he has these feminine qualities. And he and I were talking about how he got to this point. One thing he said was that his dad... Uh, was very masculine, and yet he would cry at rent 
you know, like the Broadway performance of Rent. So he had masculinity modeled to him in a way that also had sensitivity and emotional intelligence and all of that. So he didn't see those things as not being able to be masculine as well. Then when he did come out, he did say that he went very far externally to prove his maleness and his masculinity as much as he could. And once he had that solidified and understood within himself, you know, I'm, I'm a man. This is how I feel. This is who I am. He (laughs) thinks he's being so cute. He then was able to start slowly playing a little bit more with his style, playing a little bit more with his energies, playing a little bit more with his ability to be masculine, feminine, without compromising who he was on the inside. And I think it's also because he had masculinity modeled to him in a different way than some people do. A lot of mask lesbians, I think, have a very machismo kind of masculinity modeled to them. I think that's one of the reasons why we have so many mental health crises in this country is because of these very narrow definitions of who people can be and the roles they can play from gender roles to appearance and all of those things. So basically what I'm really trying to get at is that As I've said, masculine and femininity are not owned by heterosexuality or these very narrow gender roles. You can embody both in whatever degree feels best for you, whether that's in your style or your personality or both. But yeah, I feel like alignment is going to heal a lot of things for a lot of queer people. We're debunking the ideas of what masculinity and femininity have to mean. I get so fired up because my femininity is not owned by heterosexuality and it does not mean that I can't be dominant, that I can't be assertive, that I have to be a pillow princess. On that note, let's move on to queer sexuality and sexiness and sex dynamics. For many, uh, being a femme, the expectation is that you're also going to be a pillow princess. And if you're a masculine person, that you're going to be a touch me not. And that just is not the case. Uh, It is for some people, of course, absolutely. Some feminine people are pillow princesses. Some masculine people are pillow princesses. Some femme women are touch me nots. Uh, Some Ask people are touch me nots. And all of that is absolutely okay. But what I'm saying is that one does not automatically equate the other. When I first came out, because I was femme, I did think that I had to play the role of the pillow princess. I thought that I had to not really do much other than put on a performance when someone was doing things to me. And I assumed that the more masculine person would be the more dominant assertive one because that's how heterosexual sex is often modeled. There are those sexual gender roles that that we are conditioned to believe are true. So the more feminine person who is expected to play the role of the submissive woman, whereas the masculine person is expected to play the role of the dominant, assertive, the physical aggressor in the situation. And that's not does not have to be the case. It can be if that's what works for you. Love that for you. But for me, like I said, I started off thinking I had to be the pillow princess. And that was incredibly unsatisfying for me and unfulfilling. 
And as I've gone through relationships and experienced lots and lots, 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 lots of gay sex, (laughs) for me, I have realized that, you know, for a while I was like, oh, I'm a switch, I'm a verse, whatever. But no, I'm a top, which does not mean touch me not. That just means my energy, my assertiveness, like I'm not going to lay there while you rub a feather up and down my naked body. Like that sounds fucking awful. But if you're into that, I would love to do that to you. (laughs) My sex life has been so much more fulfilling once I embraced that aspect of me and which leads me to bottoms. <laughs> I need you. <laughs> I need you in my life. But what I'm saying about bottoms is that they are, they have been so negatively stereotyped, but that comes from misogyny. You know, the idea of that position being the feminine position, I use that in quotes, as the submissive position, and that becomes a negative. And that's why a lot of mask lesbians who would love to be bottoms end up getting made fun of, get a, you know, it's a shameful thing to be a bottom, but I'm telling you right now, I need you. <laughs> I need you in my life. But again, it's those limiting gender roles, those limiting beliefs about the way we look versus who and how we are, including in the bedroom. And like masks, like y'all don't have to strap up every time. And then femmes, like we can take control if we want to, you know, like if you don't want to, if you're down being a pillow princess, uh, my lady, <laughs> your majesty, I, I salute you, your highness. Couldn't be me. Was me at one time. And I just did not find that satisfying at all. All of the ones I'm listing, these examples are just examples. There's myriad other types of sexual dynamic. I'm just trying to tell you that the way you are in the streets is not how you have to be in the sheets. Flip that script as often as you feel like you want to. Another thing about being sexy in the bedroom, as a femme presenting woman, I do enjoy wearing lingerie. I do enjoy that, but I'm also the top. So (laughs) I know a lot of mask lesbians struggle with what to wear to be sexy, like how, how to be sexy. You know, the options aren't great because wearing lingerie can sometimes not feel very great. It, It can cause some gender discomfort. Like what is sexy to you? As with anything, it's time, it's patience, it's experience, it's exploration. So give yourself the freedom to explore these things, to not limit yourself based on these very limiting definitions that society tries to shove down our throats. You can be mask presenting and want to be tied up and treated like a a princess in the bedroom. Like these are things that are all okay. And I think we would all have more satisfying sex if we could lean more into that. Um, and to explore more, to give ourselves the freedom and the space to do that. It's all up to you. It really truly is. Whatever aligns most with you, I really hope that you lean into that and lean into these feelings, these emotions, this balance of masculine, feminine, where you don't automatically negate your femininity because you think either you're going to be for the male gaze or because you think that a feminine person is weaker or more submissive or any of those things that are deemed with a negative connotation. And if you're a masculine person, like I hope you don't feel like you have to be hard all the time, that you can't express your emotions, that you can't be treated like baby because a lot of masks are baby and it may take them a long time to figure that out. Femmes, I want you out there. If you feel like you want to you know, throw your mask girlfriend over your shoulder and take her to the bedroom. Like, I want you to feel confident in doing that and not feel like you can't simply because you're doing it in heels and a dress. You know what I'm saying? The more experiences you allow yourself to have and the more you explore, 
the less you're going to be afraid of these things, the more you're going to see how right some of this feels for you. I'm giving you, if you needed it, I'm giving you that permission to explore that and to find your actual identity. When I talked earlier about how we unstruggle from this, it is giving yourself the time and space to explore these things, to really lean into what feels right for you, to find that alignment of external expression, internal expression, and to not limit yourself. I do truly believe that labels and categories are important and they can help us. They can help with our identities. They can help with us figure out how to process ourselves and the world in which we live and how we interact with the world. But it doesn't have to be society's definition for you. It doesn't have to be society's label. It doesn't have to be gay culture's definition and label for you because even within our gay community, there are so many restricting labels and categories. And if some of the more traditional things feel very right to you, I'm all about it, baby. Like lean into that as well. I'm not saying that traditional roles and traditional things are inherently wrong. They're only bad if they're not right for you. Again, a lot of these things take time to figure out. You may not come right out of the gay womb knowing exactly that you're a femme top lesbian like I I am. It did take me some time to figure out and it is all part of the journey. It's super fucking fun, honestly, to to know that you own that. You have all the power to define yourself, to redefine yourself. And like, even for me, I used to wear a lot more feminine things. I used to wear dresses every single day. And now you know, I, I kind of, I want to climb a tree more regularly than that. So I, I've, I'm much more in like a comfort queen kind of phase, but that doesn't take away my femininity. And just because oh, society thinks that I look quote unquote straight doesn't negate the fact that I am a lesbian. The way I present has nothing to do with heterosexuality. And I've owned that. I've earned that. I've aligned that with myself. And I've also allowed myself to be a top in the bedroom, to be able to wear lingerie and to be soft and sweet and sexy and also assertive and dominant. I am a multifaceted woman and I love that. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I have zero tattoos. And yet I am a lesbian who is wall twerking every Saturday at a gay bar you know, and I'm reading books and I have a degree and I graduated with honors and I have all of these multifaceted things that exist at once that a lot of people think should negate each other and they don't. And that is something that I want you to understand that you can be exactly who you are, even if it makes no sense to anybody else but to you. And that's the most important thing. If it makes sense to you, helps you process who you are, how you want to exist in the world, how you want to show up for yourself in this world. That's all we're asking for. <laughs> we as in me and Fenton and Banksy who have left cat fur in my lip gloss. Love that for me. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. This is something that I've talked about a lot on my social media in general, kind of about how heterosexuality does not own femininity. But today I want to talk a little bit more in depth about what I mean by that and also how it applies to masculinity and other things. So for this episode, I really want you to take from it that you can define your own queerness for you. And that means physically, internally, how you interact in the bedroom, all of those things are yours to define for yourself. I love you guys so much. Thanks for being here. Also, don't forget if you're listening to this before July 17th, I keep forgetting to to do this, but please vote for the Les Vixens for Orlando Weekly's best of best 
burlesque troupe. um, We've won four times. I would love to win a fifth time. We put our heart and soul into everything that we do. Not to say the other burlesquers don't, but but we we truly dedicate so much of our ourselves to the community and we are always working so hard. And then also apparently I'm, I'm up for best TikToker and best uh, local Instagram. So if you're feeling frisky and you're listening to this before July 17th, when voting ends, give those, uh, give us a, a vote. If you would, that would be wonderful. And also if you're liking this podcast, please leave a positive review. Follow me on social media. I don't have sponsors yet. So I'm going to be my own sponsor. Follow me on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and all those other places. I would love to have you join me there. Be good to yourselves. Be good to each other. And I will see you in the next one. I can't believe we made it to the fifth episode. I was, I've been daydreaming about this for months, years even. So can't wait for the 10th episode. Whew. Anyway, have a great day. Have a great night. Be good to yourselves. Be good to each other. Take care of yourself. Wear sunscreen. Drink water. I love you so much. I'll talk to you in the next one. Bye.